Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Ocean wave. Oh, this is recorded on the boat. We're reporting from the boat. Hey, everyone, this is Griffin and Rachel. We're reporting to you from the boat with all the hot... I'm an octopus. And this is a huge development, and a lot of people are talking about this. <laughs> An octopus has found its way onto the ship that Rachel mm-hmm. and I are on, and I don't want to scare anyone. I don't want to freak out because they look so weird because all the arms and the slime and no bones. But um, you know what's great about an octopus, though? What's that? Four hugs. That's true. Yeah, or like eight Christian side hugs (laughs) is one way of thinking about it, which would be totally dope if those Christian side hugs were not pulling you towards that very large beak that it's got where its butt should be. Are you sure about this one, Octopus? Okay, who am I to tell you your business? We're on a boat right now when you hear this. We're not like, when we record this, we're not on a boat right now. Um, But when you hear this, we should be on a boat. So just believe, make believe with us in the space. What do you think we're doing right now? Oh, like when this is actually... What are Bodas doing? Bodas? What are Bodas doing? Uh, I mean, I am probably eating, you know, a French fry because I'm bad. Rachel McElroy. <laughs> I'm eating a French fry. Yeah, I'll probably have me a few French fries. Mm. Uh, we're on the Joko cruise, the Jonathan Colton cruise. Uh, to be specific, and just based on my experience from doing it for the first time last year, I'm probably um, just grabbing a f- just too many desserts. They have a big open salad bar situation. They have a handful of different desserts. I don't want to miss out on one of them desserts, so I'll grab one, mm-hmm. and then the other, and then the other. A lot of flan. Oh, boy. Is there? Oh, Rachel, did, did you not find the flan bucket? I don't remember the flan bucket. Did you not open up the flan drawer? In the dessert cabinet? And the cabinet? whole drawer just wiggled at It me? just wiggles right out of there. Mm-hmm. It's a weird ship, cool ship, having a fun time, octopus notwithstanding. And we but wish, we have a show to do, Griffin. Wish you were here and living this dream with us. Do you have any small wonders, Rachel? You know, I'm going to say vanity license plates. Oh. Sometimes it's just a treat. Yeah. Just if you got like a couple initials together and you just you spend your time in traffic trying to figure out what they spell out, you know? Yeah, sometimes it is sort of a fun little rebus that yeah. it gives you, and mm-hmm. I'm into that. Um, the best I, I think the best I ever saw was still during Travis's bachelor party in Cincinnati when we were driving to the liquor oh, store and that? saw Hot Boy. Hot Boy. It was either Hot Boy or Hot Boys. I feel like there was a Z. It may have been Hot Boys. Wow, that made us so excited. What does it? I mean, <laughs> I know what it means, but it could it possibly mean that on your car? <laughs> That's very confident of you. I have been talking and I don't have, I don't think I have one. I, I don't mean, think I have one. You would talk about frozen food. Why would I talk about frozen food? I mean, you like it. Yeah. I do small, like, it could be your small wonder. It's pretty small. It's nice to, it's nice when the food's frozen. And it, it, because when you do that, it's sort of like fucking chrono locks it. Right. Yeah, in a uh-huh. little time cube. Mm-hmm. Like you have this, you know, some chicken thighs and you're, you just get them and they're in their fridge for a day. And you're like, yeah. I'm not gonna have time to, oh, to cook those this week. Let's lock them in the chrono cube. And then you can return to a time when they were not frozen in the future. It's pretty amazing if you really think about it. Yeah. Big bonus. We may have just gotten a new freezer that we're both very excited about. Yeah. My plan is I'm going to start doing some sous vide bags, freezing them. And then during the week, you just boop, give them suckers a little bath. What's well, their waiting for hold you? Hold him accountable to this plan because I support it. And I, I, I want to see. I want you to join me in this fucking lifestyle. I want to see it happen. I, you know, you want to know my theory? I think you're afraid of the vacuum sealer. I think you. I think you. I live in. Fear I mean, of the yeah, vacuums. a little bit. Yeah, sure. sure. Can I, let's yeah. let's dive into that. What scares you about the vacuum sealer, which is an important part in the sous vide process? Um, I you know I'm just worried that the bag the bag's going to combust in on itself, creating yeah. a like a black hole in our kitchen. Well, the good news is if that happens while it's in the sous vide bath, you're making soup. 
You just pivot to soup. This is soup. Griffin's new character. You're making soup, guy. It's a fun character. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to start this week. I go first this okay. week. My first thing is I wrote this in my excitement, and it sort of changed the meaning of it. Uh, I wrote good-ass packaging, which could also read as good-ass packaging, which I guess is like... Oh, like a nice pair of pants? Like a nice pair of jeans that just frame your caboose pretty nicely. <laughs> um, but no, I'm just talking about like good packaging, which is a shameful topic because I don't en- I do not enjoy um unnecessarily wasteful ass packaging. Right? Oh, you should talk about the game Splendor that is so perfect. Oh, babe, packaged. Splendor is for sure in my notes. You okay. know I'm gonna get to Splendor. Okay, good. This is a little spoiler. I guess a little teaser. I'm gonna talk about Splendor here in a little bit. Um yeah, there's enough trash in the world as it is, right? So I don't like just when you open up a big thing and it's just got a little thing in it and it's like, guys, come on, you can do better than this. Recyclable materials though, those are that's that's all right. Like when it's like, hey, we made this out of dirt. Um, we made this out of dirty newspapers. And I'm like, oh, cool. It doesn't smell bad. So that's good that you've done that. Um, I guess honorable mention to like uh, like consumer electronics that has good packaging in a fairly like um, efficient way. I think Apple is probably the standard bearer in this in this regard because Apple products are so like about the packaging. They're so about like the experience of opening them up and everything is like so thought out and considered. I will say those those earbuds could probably be in a smaller. You think the earbuds could be in a smaller? They could be in a little smaller guy. I mean, they're really only like the size of like a, like a half dollar. Yeah, but they come in a pretty small. When you get them in a phone, they're like wrapped up sort of in the bottom of the box. I have for sure like accidentally thrown those away before. They're so little. <laughs> so I don't know. But you get it and it's like the phone's in its little coffin and you pop that out and then there's a little hole you tuck your finger in and pull it and then there's the instruction book right there and the chargers in its own little cavity like it's all so like thoroughly thoughtful and and uh just meticulously designed and i dig that the um the oculus quest the headset that i got the box it comes in is just gorge just this gorge just slick black box and you pop it out and it's got this little molded thing that looks exactly like the headset that it just slots right into with like little holsters for the different controllers that really does it for me i like a good ass package okay i don't i think what makes me really savor the flavor of a good ass package is how bad clamshell packages are yes anytime there's a clamshell package in my life like i oh i hate that and it's it's become less uh, i i don't think i get that many packages that are clamshell anymore like i'm trying to think the last time that i opened one but i mean toys toys yeah toys are like the last bastion but even toys are like toys have these little if you've not bought a toy for a child lately like a lot of them have changed to sort of like cardboard based solutions and instead of having like those annoying ass little twist ties or like plastic wire wraps around the toys as like uh you know safety measures uh a lot of the toys when you like buy them online and they don't have to worry about those safety measures just have these little black circles on the back that you just kind of twist 90 degrees and the toy just pops out it is pretty rad and they did not have that <laughs> shit when i was a kid it's true uh but clamshell packages are uh an absolute nightmare in 2009 over six this was a long time ago but it was the most only thing i could find about it uh over six thousand cases of people being admitted to uh, emergency rooms or with uh with cuts or puncture wounds from clamshell packages oh my gosh it's like christmas day is like a fucking bloodbath man because yeah. of these bad packages that are just like designed to keep people from stealing shit in a store but really, like you just tuck the clamshell package under your jacket and go home and cut your hand open opening it. It's still got <laughs> stolen. Like you've just, you know, hurt them or whatever. Uh, as Rachel has suggested, for me, the pinnacle of this is board game packaging. And boy, howdy, you could do much worse than Splendor. Splendor is a game where you, I think we've talked about it on this show. It's, a, you know, like a, um, it's like a monetary, like ladder building game where you collect gems and buy cards to make it easier to buy more gems and you win. Uh, and all the gems come in these, like n- these little tokens that have a nice heft and each one has its own like slot, like holster that they, yeah. everything just perfectly fits in all the components all like feel really, really good. Cause you know, like when you get like a new board game and then you put it back in the box and it's just a mess, you know, like a game of Monopoly. Monopoly, where like it, yeah. The money and the cards are all over the place. This has like little slots for them. It's perfect, and it, like like clamshell packaging, like this 
did not used to be a thing. Like you, like you said about Monopoly, Game of Life. For me, the worst was we were obsessed with Hero Quest growing up, which was yeah, I think Milton Bradley's like uh, board game D and D take from gosh, probably the eighties, early nineties. Uh, and it had all these like little intricate components that you could punch out of cardboard. I love that shit. All the flying frog games. So like uh, Last Night on Earth have those like nice thick cardboard sheets that you punch all the shit out of. Like I've always loved that. But in Hero Quest, like they had one little flimsy cardboard divider you could use to like keep things separate and it didn't even last like one game. And then it was just fucking like nerd salad in there like it's just a disaster in there and it is completely inscrutable the reason i like thought about this is because at my desk i got uh the this rpg quest that our friend chris uh plant helped make and it's like just this slick black box it doesn't need to be on my desk like i should put it in our like board game zone but like it just looks it just looks nice you open it it's got some nice art on it with all the cards that live in there i just like a good box I like a good <laughs> box that keeps the thing. I'm not even that organized a person in real life, which is maybe why I need my, you know, my the products I own to sort of take care of that for yeah, me. Yeah, it simplifies it for you. It's so like, this goes here. So like I like a package that serves as like an ongoing case, an ongoing sort of storage solution instead of something you just like tear up and throw away. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate a good package, especially when I think about how just awful it used to be. I definitely remember one Christmas, I got a pair of headphones to go with my new CD player that I listened to uh, the soundtrack for Rent and the Beatles One compilation album. Those are the only two CDs I owned. Uh, But I got a clamshell package with the headphones inside and in opening it, I like cut through the cord with the scissors and like rip, that's it, that's it. Um, So yeah. Hey, what's your first thing? My first thing is video rental stores. Okay. You know, I used to work at a video rental store. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Like an indie one? No, actually. I kind of thought it was, but I found out later it was not. What Um, was it? When I was in Chicago, like around 2006, 2007, while I was studying for the GRE, I worked at West Coast Video, which was on... It was like it was like near Belmont and Broadway, uh, in Chicago, and um, apparently West Coast Video is like a chain. I've never heard of it before, but um, I, they closed I, yeah, in uh, like two thousand. What do I want to? They closed in two thousand nine, so I got um, in like in their last three years of existence. Yeah, sure. I guess. How many of those VHSs did you swipe there? I didn't. Um, it didn't work there very long. <laughs> okay. I remember that, um, I was actually, I was let go. Oh, babe. Uh, I requested a lot of personal time in That'll the get early you. months. Wait, was Tommy Smurl your boss? No. <laughs> Rip him. No. No, I was one of like four employees and we all worked kind of by ourselves, and they didn't close till midnight, which oh, was a little sketch. Yeah. Uh, and occasionally the manager would work and he would always grant me the time off. And then one time when I was oh, out of town, he called me and left a voicemail and was just firing like, you. Yeah. Just like you're not present enough and we really need somebody who has more available time. Yowza. Make sure to return those videos you have checked out. Whoa. <laughs> like you can't even use their services anymore. Well, when you're an employee, you can oh, just like right, take okay. stuff out. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed my short time there. Okay. Um, we did have a room of pornography, which was a little uncomfortable for me, uh, just working there by myself with, um, people coming in. Yeah, sure. Um, but, uh, I, I was there when Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp came out on DVD. I put those on the shelves. That was me. That was, you did that? I did. Babe. Yeah. You didn't throw them in the garbage. No. Where they I feel like the DVD cases smelled like chocolate, and I don't know if I was just imagining that. I think you may have had a sort of head injury (laughs) situation. Um, But I have always, I have always liked a video rental store. Okay, Um, and it's obviously not something you see a lot of anymore. No, but the ones that are still around are kind of like impressive places. Yeah, they're boutiquey and cool. Like uh, what iHeart iHeart Video. Yeah, you know what's actually called I Love Video? It's oh, just really? they use a heart, and so I always call it I Heart. Oh. Vulcan Video is another place here in Austin. Yeah, for sure. Justin worked at Blockbuster for a while, and mm-hmm. I famously talked about why he was let go um, mm-hmm. and the sort of dark deeds he got into. But it was like two blocks from our house. So just I was, I 
I went there every in the summer. I went there every single day. I like really, really, <laughs> I really liked the Blockbuster video. So I wanted to tell you a brief story about Blockbuster. Oh, okay. Which is kind of just the origin just, of Blockbuster, yeah. which was uh, the first store opened in Dallas in 1985 with an inventory of 8,000 tapes. Uh, and they started video game rental in 1987. Interesting. Yeah, I did so not think that it born. started that, mm-hmm. that early. Huh? Yeah. Um, shortly after that, Hollywood Video opened. Did you have a Hollywood Video in your town? Uh, we had one within like a stone's throw of the town. Like I definitely went to Hollywood Video to get, yes, we did. I did. We definitely got some stuff. I think it was like on the way to church, there was a Hollywood Video kind of out of the way. And so like when Blockbuster didn't have the tapes we craved. (laughs) Um, there were also rental opportunities at like grocery stores. Do you remember this? Did your grocery store? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Isn't that wild to think about now? It is strange to think about how they... I remember, uh, actually, we got a copy of Yoshi's Story for the Nintendo 64 that we rented from a grocery store, and then they they stopped doing rentals while we had it, and it was like, (laughs) so do we we keep it? Do we own this now? And the answer to that was, they never came looking for it, so yes. (laughs) Um, So here's what's interesting about Hollywood Video. So in 1995... Uh, So less than 10 years after they opened, Blockbuster filed a lawsuit against Hollywood Entertainment for hiring five former Blockbuster employees that they alleged had trade secrets, which could be used to better their sales. Uh, (laughs) Isn't that crazy? That is pretty wild. (laughs) I don't think... How are you going to lock that down, Blockbuster? Like, give the give these people some good also, insurance. Also, at the time, Hollywood Video only had 117 stores, where Blockbuster had 2,800. Well, I mean, you can't... You got to... If you see a pretender to the throne, you can't let them accrue power, hon. You got to squish them down beneath your big blockbuster boot. Uh, in May 1995, the judge ruled in favor of Hollywood Video, stating that Blockbuster failed to demonstrate ir- irreparable harm as a result of the hiring. Yeah. What were the <laughs> trade secrets that they could possibly... Okay, so we do them... We put them in a box. Well, yeah. And it does alphabetical order. There's a barcode on the box. You could scan the barcode to check out... The tape. We copyrighted that. We encourage people to rewind the video cassettes. <laughs> um, here's another thing I didn't know. In 2000, Blockbuster turned down a chance to purchase Netflix for $50 million. These fucking goobers. <laughs> Netflix for a while like wasn't, wasn't you know the big thing and so i think blockbuster was like we're not gonna take a risk on netflix thank you yeah well i imagine blockbuster was just like in this place where they're like well we'll just do a netflix that's yeah, easy blockbuster was gonna start their own like yeah. rental um streaming thing and it just never took off yeah uh at its peak in 2004 blockbuster had more than nine thousand stores uh in 2004 for also, there was a hostile takeover attempt of Hollywood Video by Blockbuster. They were so okay. So that They're was it. So angry. They were so. It's like Game <laughs> of Thrones. Like they were so fucking focused on like the other kingdoms vying for the rental Game Throne that they didn't notice the fucking Netflix dragons like flying through the sky. Like <laughs> we're gonna eat your geese. We're gonna eat your sheep and shit. What I think is interesting is Hollywood Video did eventually agree to a buyout by Movie Gallery, which was actually a smaller... Oh, yeah. fucking dunked right? on Blockbuster. Like, we don't want your money. What a petty little <laughs> kingdom they all had. I had no idea. Yeah. I had a friend that worked at Hollywood Video, and their big thing was that the employees dressed like ushers. Like, they all wore, like, these white button-down shirts oh, and black sucks. vests. I mean, in memory serves, Blockbuster had kind of, a, like, a Best Buy motif going i feel like didn't i feel like justin had to wear a blue shirt and khaki i don't remember yeah no there definitely was yeah that. i thought so kind of like a best buy employee yes yeah. uh so here's the thing so blockbuster closed remaining stores in 2013 mm-hmm. um at this point there were only uh 4, rental stores in the country okay right now there's only one video rental chain still around and that's family video Family you heard of family video? Of course I have not heard of family video. Oh, they had they ha- so they have them mostly in the Midwest and in rural areas. Family there video. There are some in Texas too actually. Okay. Was it is it just like Blockbuster or do they have mostly sort of like Kirk Cameron based affairs? Uh I mean they have everything. Okay. Uh they have 700 locations in the in the country. What the fuck? Yeah. Family video. I mean again mostly in Midwest and rural areas. So What do they have that Netflix hasn't like 
They have a lot of discounts. So like kids rentals are free and they have certain days of the week where things are like a dollar. Okay. They're like their whole thing is like cost savings. So here's what's interesting about them still being around. Um, Part of it is that they own their properties and they lease it out to other vendors. Huh? Uh, So you'll see a lot of family videos that also have third-party tenants, including pizza places, fitness places, water vendors, wireless companies. Um, They have licensed real estate to more than 500 third-party tenants. That seems like a good little little scam they've got going on. Yeah, so what they would do is they'd reduce in, side and, uh, reduce in size as the demand went down and lease out that space to another company. That's pretty good. Do it yeah. in like a car dealership or a, a, a auto body shop and then people are like getting their oil changed. They have to sit there and chill for an hour and a half and you're like, hey, you seen Hancock? <laughs> we got it on DVD for $3.99. Speaking of chilling. Yeah. The new family video third party tenant venture is CBD. I was going to make a joke mm-hmm. about that. So the president of Enterprise Development at Highland Ventures, which is Family Video's parent, like corporate parent, right, said, quote, there are a lot of people that use CBD to relax. And guess what? That's what a lot of people use movies for. <laughs> cool. Yeah, sure. <laughs> One of those, I will say, probably does the job. That same guy, that same um, president of Enterprise Development said, Uh, They're coming in to buy CBD, and then they go, I haven't been in a video store in a long time, and then they set up an account. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I love the gumption, right? Sure, yeah. Like, we got to stay in business somehow. This is the new thing. We're going to be on top of it. It doesn't help that, like, if you do feel like doing something niche and renting a video, there are literal vending machines that do that shit outside of like every Walgreens. Yeah, I didn't look into Redbox, but I mean, that's still definitely a thing. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a huge thing. But, uh, you know, a lot of the articles I read, and it's true, like going into a video store is a real like adventure in browsing. Oh, yeah. You know, like they made the point in the articles, like when you go to a streaming service, often you kind of have to know what you're looking for. You know, whereas if you go in a video store, you can see it's like a bookstore. You see the cover and you're like, huh, maybe I do want to see that. It's the whole argument for like specialty brick and mortars of like it's the record store argument of like people enjoy this media and there's a community around it. I think maybe movies are so amorphous, whereas like vinyl has like a scene around it. But this conversation right now is like really pertinent to games because GameStop is like really faltering because everybody's moving to digital and everybody's like buying their games online. But like, there's still this community of people who just like, like going to a game store and talking to other people about games and looking at it. So GameStop's trying to like pivot around that to stay alive. Yeah. Uh, So like in 10 years, like who who knows if everyone will have gone the way of Blockbuster. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It happened with Toys R Us. It had its own like sort of follies, but like it fucking sucks that we cannot take Henry to Toys R Us. Large toy store. Yeah, I mean we have some some cool toy stores here in Austin, but like, you know, not ones that have a billion different spiders. Well, you know, like Henry, yeah, that's the thing. Henry likes those those characters, those brand characters. Right. He's (laughs) but we can be like, no, but this is um this is the wooden walking dog. And he's got little rubber feet and they slap against the ground as you push him down the sidewalk. Here's a, no, this is an artisanal hoop and stick. You're going to love hoop and stick. You play with it. It's red like Spider-Man. Oh, you've thrown hoop and stick into the street where it was hit by a truck and you're just screaming Paw Patrol at us. (laughs) Well, let's ask, excuse me, do you have Paw Patrol? No, they have a doll that looks like Frederick Nietzsche. (laughs) Do you want that? He doesn't want that. But it sticks to your fridge. Yeah, I know. I understand. That's not the same as Marshall, the Dalmatian with the fire hat. Yeah. Do you have any Transformers? Okay. They have a car made out of wood that was carved by an old, old man. <laughs> and then they have an, what's that? An educational robot that teaches you Cantonese. <laughs> and he says, if you play with them at the same time, <laughs> it's like a Transformer. Are you interested in that? You've left. Hey, can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) Is Factor. 
These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um th- for the commercial the Super Bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain Hey, here's a Jumbotron. This one is for Colin, and it is from Abigail, who says, Dear Colin, this message is coming at you via wonderful, because that's exactly what you are. Life has been insane these past two years, and I wouldn't have been able to face it with anyone else. You are the Griffin to my Rachel, the Barry to my Loop, and the Sam to my Frodo. I love you so much. Let's go watch that Jonathan Frakes video again. Now, which one is that? Uh, he, do you know who Jonathan Frakes was? No. He was Commander Riker on, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, but he also was the host of, ah, shit, what was that show? Unexplained Mysteries. Oh, God. If I show you a picture of this man sitting at a table, looking at, like, a skull or a old tome with a magnifying glass, and also there's fog behind him, you'll be like, oh, that there is a Jonathan Frakes. He sits in the chair funny? Ah. Ah. does he turn it around and sit backwards no he like throws his leg over it when he goes to sit down and he's the star trek man who does that he has a he had a Mm. he had a beard on the fuck beyond beyond belief beyond belief factor fiction jonathan frakes this is jonathan frakes i'm talking about do you see jonathan frakes oh you know i had a friend go as him for halloween one time not as Commander Riker, just as Jonathan well, Frakes? No, no, as Commander Riker. <laughs> oh, okay. He's a handsome man. Good looking dude, Jonathan Frakes. Not really my type. Okay. I'm more into um, Griffin McElroy's. That's good to hear. And Scott Bakulis. Well, that's less good to hear. Can I read the next message? Uh-huh. It is for Adam. It is from Sherilyn. Adam these last 10 years have been wonderful because of you. Thank you for being my rock, my foot warmer, and my best friend. Building a life together with you is the best adventure I've ever been on. You're a good egg, XOXO. What do you think that they censored there at the end? Oh, wait. Hugs and kisses? Yeah. You know what, babe? <laughs> uh-huh. I was looking for my notes because I, I had filled my computer with Jonathan Frakes. And so my mind didn't really put that together. And I thought that XOXO was um, <laughs> like a cuss word. Like, well, I thought it was like a cuss word. <laughs> or they do symbols and I don't know. I don't know. Now, a lot of people use that for hugs and kisses, Griff. Yeah, I get it now. Mission Control, this is Rocket Ship One. Come in, Mission Control. 
This is Mission Control. Go ahead. We have incoming, and it looks big. Can you identify? It looks like some sort of pledge drive. Affirmative. It's Max Fun Drive. That's a verified Max Fun Drive. Countdown to Max Fun Drive is initiated. Can you project a time to intercept? Based on the current trajectory, Max Fun Drive will be here from March 16 to March 27. March 16 to March 27. Roger. Rocket Ship One, can you confirm a visual on common Max Fun Drive phenomena, such as the best episodes of the year, bonus content, and special gifts for new and upgrading monthly members? We have a visual. Great episodes, bonus content, premium gifts confirmed, and more. Sure sounds quiet down there. Mission Control, what's your status? All systems go, Rocket Ship One. Just catching up on our favorite Max Fun shows so we can tune into Max Fun Drive episodes between March 16 and March 27. Over and out. <laughs> Can I hear your next thing? My next thing, yes. Uh, my next thing is a, a, a bit more serious than good-ass packaging. Uh, it is a book that is very important to me. It is a book by Dave Eggers called A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Have you read it? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was uh, a, a lot of folks in our generation like read it because the year it came out, it was like the hottest shit ever. Yeah. Uh, I read it a few years after it came out. Uh, but I, oh boy, that book really, really, really speaks to me. Uh, it is a memoir by Dave Eggers, who is a very prolific writer. He's written a lot of, I've read a ton of his stuff, like um, uh, You Shall Know Our Velocity and uh, Zaytoon. And he wrote the, the Circle, which they made a movie adaptation out of with Tom Hanks. I didn't see it because I read some of the book and didn't really uh, click with it. But he also was one of the founders of McSweeney's and uh, 826 Valencia, which then became, what is it, 826 nationwide it's like the kids writing sort of workshop yeah. thing uh but this this like where i became familiar with his stuff is a heartbreaking work of of staggering genius uh and if you've not read it or heard of it the book is a, a memoir about how in his early 20s both of his parents died uh they they passed away due to cancer within like weeks of each other i think 32 days of each other um you know, obviously completely un unrelated. That's just like how it happened. Uh, and at the time he, you know, had other family, he had siblings and his youngest brother, uh, Christopher, who he calls Toph was eight years old. And so the, he becomes sort of like this de facto caretaker for his, his brother. Uh, and they move to California and they stay in a series of kind of like rat hole apartments with the inheritance that they get. Um, and they just try to like put the, the, a life together, uh, following this like pretty profound uprooting that their family all uh, goes through together. And I can tell you that description. And if you haven't read the book, like you can probably write it in your head, what that book looks like and like feels like. But the reason it is so special to me and the reason it really resonated with me is because like, it was not that it was not, there is not like a lick of um, like self in indulgent melodrama to it yeah it's very funny it's a very funny book because he's a very very funny writer um and that that humor touches on the w one of the things that like really really uh meant a lot to me was like that it's not just sad going through something like that like it is obviously heartbreaking and very very uh difficult in that regard but it's also like very um, confusing. Like there's a lot of, there are a lot of feelings that sort of accompany a loss like that. Um, and a lot of those feelings are, you know, complicated, but they are also like wildly self-involved and guilt inducing. Uh, and he like, doesn't shy away from that in the book. And it, it, it is, it lends to it a humor and also an authenticity that you just instantly buy. Like this is a real person, like writing about the real stuff that they were going through because it is not played up for for melodramatics yeah. um and just to like really put a put a like a face on that uh the re-releases of the book starts with like this 40 page index which you oh. like is uh the version i read had this this huge index that is all written for laughs uh, and most of it is written for, uh, written about like the major themes of the book. And it's like peak, like Dave Eggers comedy shit. Uh, the very first theme that he dives into and, uh, steal yourself because it sounds kind of terrible at first blush, uh, is what he calls the unspoken magic of parental disappearance. And 
like I I'll, I I want to read that explanation that he has in the book, but just to like cushion the the blow a little bit, like in no way is the theme of this book or like the book itself like celebrating yeah. that his parents died or like really making light of it at all. Uh, it's more of a recognition of like how profound and a, a change this is, unlike anything like he had ever known before, uh, and like very few things in your life ever will be. So. I want to read that entry in the index because it is uh, kind of incredible. Uh, the unspoken magic of parental disappearance. It is every child's and teen's dream. Sometimes it's born of bitterness. Sometimes it's born of self-pity. Sometimes one wants attention. Usually all three factors play a part. The point is that everyone at one point or another daydreams about their parents dying and about what it would be like to be an orphan like Annie or Pippi Longstocking or more recently, the beautiful tragic naifs of Party of Five. One pictures in place of the love, perhaps unpredictably given and more often withheld by one's parents that in their absence, that love and attention would be lavished upon them that the townspeople, one's relatives, one's friends and teachers, the world around would suddenly be swept up in sympathy and fascination for the orphaned child, that his or her life would be one of celebrity mixed with pathos, fame sprung from tragedy, the best kind by far. Uh, most daydream it, some live it, and this aspect of the book will uh, intimate that it is just as it was in Pippi, uh, it is in real life. Thus, an incomparable loss begets both constant struggle and heart-hardening, but also some unimpeachable rewards starting with absolute freedom, interpretable and of use in a number of ways. Uh, and then it goes on and says, um, that loss is accompanied by an undeniable, but then of course guilt-inducing sense of mobility, of infinite possibility, having suddenly found oneself in a world with neither floor nor ceiling. Uh, I, wow, that's really well done. Yeah, it like walks a pretty fucking fine line, yeah. I feel like, of of like exactly what I'm talking about. So I read this book like four months or so after my mom died. Uh, and I was, when that happened, I was like a couple months out from graduating high school. So that is already like a pretty fucking tumultuous time, right? Like it yeah. is arguably like the time where you're facing down uh, the biggest sort of like change in your life. You're facing yeah. down like, and it's, it's, you know, scary, but it is also like super exciting because your life has been this one thing this whole time, and now it's about to be this completely different thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I went through, I went through this while also going through that. And so, like, while it was such a like devastating time, uh, I didn't really have anybody or anything that was telling me, like, by the way, like, you're gonna feel other shit too. Like, it is going to yeah. be, it's going to be confusing, and it's going to be like there are going to be things about it that there will be some sort of like. Uh, excitement feels like a terrible way of putting it, but just like looking forward and having no idea what comes next is like a thing where like, I, I think a part of your brain can't help but try and fill it in with like good shit and positive shit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I feel like leading up to that and, and during that, like a lot of people are just telling you like, you know, you're going to dress in sackcloth and ashes and be sad for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so when I read this book, and it had all of these like really uh, g genuinely entertaining, but also like super thought provoking things to say about these like super confusing, uh, like, yeah, selfish feelings, but they are universal feelings. Like it made me, it was an enormous step in like the, the grieving process for me to like get this take from this book that I had gotten from nowhere else. And so like, I have lots of books that I love. Like I have lots of books that um, I would say are better books, like uh, books that I think are classics and, and books that I reread from time to time. But like, I've never had a book that like was that, like instrumental to me yeah. at the point that I read it. Uh, and I've actually never gone back and, and reread it. Yeah. There's a part of me that's like kind of scared to do it. I'm kind of scared to do it. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know if it aged well. I don't know if the tone of it aged well. Uh, I have like, I have some memory issues from like around that time. So like there are parts of it that I don't remember, but I think it is telling that like, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember from then, but I do actually remember a few excerpts from the book like this, thing about the the unspoken magic of parental disappearance or yeah. uh there's like a weird third of the book then like becomes it's a memoir but it like dabbles into like magical realism from time to time and also a third of the book is an interview that book dave eggers does trying to get on the real world 
and then <laughs> author Dave Eggers like speaks to him through yeah. the fourth wall about like him being a selfish Gosh, I forgot about that like dick and for being an exhibitionist and the like opening uh the new index like kind of explains like by the way there's gonna be a really extended segment where <laughs> he auditions for real world and you kind of just got to bear with it um so yeah it's weird I don't have I can't I, I say book I can't think of another piece of media that I hold in this like place that I yeah. hold this one that I'm like kind of scared to go back to it because no, I, I don't want to affect it but uh yeah I just wanted to talk about that because I don't I don't think I talk about books very much on this show and this is the one that is like for sure the most sort of like meaningful to me yeah now I remember when we were getting to know each other you talked about that as the book that was most significant to you yeah yeah for sure uh what's your second thing god I hope it's something like Doritos just so you can know oh boy I want you to know what this feels like (laughs) uh so in a previous show we were talking about onomatopoeia okay and so I wanted to talk about that, but specifically in other languages. Whoa. So you know how there are certain words we yes. use for for like noises? They use different words in other languages. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I always think that's super interesting. Okay. Just for like frame of reference, uh, a word like achoo for sneeze here in English, uh, in Japanese is hakushan. Okay. And in German is Hachi. Uh, that one's not, I think the, okay, if I'm going to rate them, the best actually like <laughs> onomatopoetic interpretation, I think goes to Japan on this one. Cause that's, you don't think Hachi is a good one? Well, it's I don't kind go, of like a chew. But I don't end it. I don't go Hachi. I think my shit's more like, and I don't know. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. So uh, people that study, um, linguistics talk a lot about this because there's no clear reason why this happens. Um, there's been no rigorous studies uh, done on this across cultures. Um, but a lot of people cite what they call the bow wow theory. <laughs> okay. Which is that the idea that language has originated around the country as an imitation of natural sounds. So depending on where you were in the world, you kind of build consensus around a particular Interesting. word. Dogs don't, you're saying like dogs don't speak a different language, right? So that sound is fixed yeah, it's, it's, in a way. Well, yeah, it's this idea of like you're in a region and everybody just kind of agrees in that area that this is how we articulate that sound. And then in another part of the world, people are doing the same so thing. At some point in Germany, though, somebody went like, and somebody went, did you just say Hachi? That's like, <laughs> no. This guy's saying Hachi over here. (laughs) So there's a really cool book, James Chapman, uh, who completed his PhD, um, created a Tumblr, and then ended up releasing books all like illustrating this. So there is a guide to onomatopoeias around the world and a webcomic called Soundimals, which is specific to animal noises and how they're notated in other languages. So oink here in Germany is grunts. Grunts? G-R-U-N-T-Z. Fuck yeah. Isn't that great? That's really good. So he did a little like cartoons, just kind of imi- like here is a pig and here's what the pig says in other countries. Grunts is better. You like that? Yeah. Pigs don't say oink. Hey, I'm just not thinking about it. I've never heard a pig go oink. Eh, yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> uh, so I have some other ones. Okay. Uh, knock, knock, which we would do here for like knocking on a door mm-hmm. in Polish is puck, puck. Man, that's good too. Isn't this fun? It is fun. Um, ring, ring for a phone in Portuguese is trim. Well, that one's difficult, right? Because the sound of a receiver is different, right? Like if you, if you place a phone call to like somewhere in Europe, like the ringing noise that you hear is. But that the actual w- phone itself in their home sounds the same maybe i don't know people people make the bells and shit inside of phones right like it's not like knocking on a piece of wood Mm -hmm. like that's that's like fixed in a way that's interesting all right so so getting to the real like rich like cartoon good shit onomatopoeia so bang like if you were to like shoot somebody in a comic strip and it said bang in english it would say pen in french p-a-n which sounds a lot like Like bread bread? (laughs) yeah Uh, bang in Spanish is pum, P-U-M. Okay, I can see that. Maybe with like a, you know, like a silencer or something. <laughs> so yeah, if you look up 
James Chapman and uh, either Soundimals or Sounds All Around, a guide to onomatopoeias around the world. You'll see some of these uh, in the illustrations. They're really cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I've always thought that was interesting. Like when I was in French class, I remember like learning, you know, what different animals would say and watching these little videos and just being like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Like that's not what we say. That's delightful. Yeah. It's, uh, I, it's really a part, it's like a facet of linguistics I've never thought about before is are the words we base on not concepts, but actual natural sort of thing actual yeah. natural things like it's it's like akin to mathematics in that right like mathematics is set there's no difference in mathematics between languages and there's also no difference in do dogs make different noises in different countries well so i read a lot about the different like we have a lot of different things here like we have like rough and bow wow right um and similarly across the globe there's different things although the one thing i noticed with cats it's almost always a version of meow well, like, cats have it like, locked. Cats, cats have it locked down. Cats like cats know their sound. <laughs> but there was a suggestion that, like, depending on the like deepness of the bark, you might see like different words used for it. I saw a TikTok today. I can't. This sentence. Are you on TikTok? No, but I saw a TikTok somebody posted on Facebook. Okay. So that's where I'm at. Uh, and it's it's one of those of like, hey, the, look at what this cat is saying. It sounds like words, but I swear it sounded like the cat was saying, um, "I hurt my butthole." <laughs> Wow. The cat okay. was saying, like, I blew out my butthole. It was so fucking good. Okay. I got to show it to you. Okay. I got to show that to you next. <laughs> I got to show you that. I have so many things. I feel like recently I've been like, ooh, I got to show you that. And I never do. I got to show you Long, Long Man. We talked about that oh, yesterday. Yeah. That's a small wonder. Long, Long Man. It's good shit. Um, hey, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Nicholas says, my small wonder is bringing in all the groceries in one trip. This always made me feel like some sort of powerful hero when I was little, and it still does today. Plus, back then, the faster I helped get the groceries in, the faster I could get back to unpausing whatever video game I had paused to help. Do you ever, like, carry a bag in one finger? Ooh, I mean, yeah, I... I I was very much in Nicholas's camp here where, uh, you know, we were uh, a family of five. And so my mom would like bring home a bunch of groceries in plastic bags and I would just fucking beast mode, beast mode it out because I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. Like I didn't want to be doing chore. So I just like, like loaded up and probably family of five. I can't even imagine how much food you had in that house. We tore that shit down, man. We went wild on it. <laughs> uh, Megan says my wonderful thing is parking lot guardian angels when you're scouting for parking uh, in a crowded lot and someone walking out to their car notices you and waves you over to take the spot they're about to leave warms my heart to see people help each other out in such a simple yet beautiful way oh that's so nice it is nice I love people just like doing a good deed or like when somebody takes lot. your grocery cart from you like you're oh. walking towards the little corral and they're like here I'll just take that because I need one yeah that's nice this also makes me think about your dad that time that we went to trail of lights here in austin <laughs> and we waited on this one spot where somebody was like pulling out real slow and someone tried to snipe that spot at the last second and your mom and dad like jumped out of they the car they just didn't even say anything they didn't, they didn't talk they didn't to each other say anything they both jumped out of the car to like Stood confront and if you knew rachel's parents like this they, i do not think it that was they like an i am spartacus moment for my parents it was yeah. like no communication they just both threw themselves they were like no i don't i do not believe so i do mm -hmm. not believe so Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use for our theme song Money Won't Pay you can find a link to that in the episode description and um, thanks to Maximum Fun hey guess what starts next week Ooh, Max Fun Drive it's the Max Fun Drive we're going to tell you all about it when it kicks off but uh, yeah for the next two weeks starting next what Monday uh, we will be doing our annual pledge drive and can I tell you like the episodes that we put out during Max Fun Drive they're like specialer they're, they're spe I mean, we haven't recorded ours yet, so let's see. Let's not throw our hat <laughs> over the fence. We'll try our best to make it special. I'm just saying, like, a lot of people here, like, Pledge Drive, and they think, oh, but it's actually really fun. Yeah, it's fun. fun. And, you know, we we have a lot of cool stuff for people who yeah. uh, who, who join as members or uh, upgrade their, their- Super fun bonus stuff. Their levels. Yeah, we have fun bonus stuff, fun bonus episodes. Rachel played Animal Crossing that she is- Still on that tip. Yeah. Still on that tip. You got me in there. May have been just opened up Club LOL. May have been working on that comedy club. May have been getting petition, you know, assigned <laughs> by all the villagers. I've never been more attracted to her folks. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, yeah. So we're going to tell you all about that next week. But uh, y'all have been so supportive of us in the past. And we it, it means the world. And so, yeah, that'll be soon. 
And geez, anything else? Thank you all. I feel very, uh, I feel very warm right now. I feel very a lot of gratitude towards our our friends at home. And oh yeah, for those of you that um, are looking for more of a wonderful community, I'm going to encourage again our Facebook group. Oh yeah, which is actually listed under Rose Buddies Cast because when we created it, we had a different show. Yes, uh, but the folks in there a lot of times will share their reactions to the stuff we talk about. So if you have a particular video rental store that you enjoy, sure, you know. That's a good place to talk about it with other people that listen to the show. A lot of people have been asking us to come out of retirement for Love is Blind with Rose Buddies. Yeah. And I can't, I don't even know, I don't even know what that would fucking look like. I know. I don't even know where to, where I would fucking begin with that. Yeah. She it's... gave the dog her wine out of the <laughs> cup she drinks from. <laughs> yeah, there is. There are moments when we watch that show and we have a lot of funny things to say to each other. And then there's always that sense of relief that we don't actually have to say them to each other in front of other people. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, howdy. It's a trip, though. Anyway, I think that's it. You're doing, uh, you're doing really well. And that idea you had today, you should fucking follow up on that. Yeah, make a little note to yourself. Make a note to yourself to get that done. Because I'm mm -hmm. telling you, it's not like the other ideas. Some of your ideas are a little... <laughs> They're stinkers. But this one, they're not stinkers, but they're just like intangible. Set a little reminder. Set a little uh, reminder. Set a reminder on your watch. On Say your like, calendar. hey, come back to that idea. Come back to that idea. Pursue it. Make it real. I still have pictures of Jonathan Frakes over my computer. <laughs> I think I gave it a virus. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. All right, Adam. Uh, Maximum Fun wants us to record like a promo to tell people that they should listen to The Greatest Generation. You want to do that? No. I am tired of all the extra work. I just wanted to talk about Star Trek with my friend. I, I think it, it would be good to like try and get some new listeners by appealing to the audiences of other shows. Like this, this will only take a minute or two. It could be good for us. We sit down for an hour every week and talk about a Star Trek episode and make a bunch of idiotic fart jokes about it. It's embarrassing. If it got out that we made this show, I think it would make us unemployable. Adam, I have bad news for you. We have tens of thousands of listeners at MaximumFun.org. Oh my god. I think I'm going to throw up. The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org. I'm really going to be sick.